Stay fly. Stay fly. Let the wheat and the tear grow together. Black Lives Matter serves a purpose in the midst of this perfect storm that's brewing in America. Those provocateurs, those saboteurs, all of them serve a purpose in the midst of this perfect storm that's brewing in America. Because they figure, well, if we do this, then they're going to vote for us. Subscribe to the channel. You like the video. You share the video. It's time for everybody to get on code. It's time for everybody to get on code. It's time for everybody to get on code. I'm Seiko Varner with your Black Improvement on the Fly Guys show. And we thank you for tuning in. We're going to do some great things today. We're going to chat some great things today. We're going to make sure that everybody gets on code, stays on code, because we have a lot of work to do. Today, we're going to deal with the Black Lives Matter political agenda, and we're going to juxtapose it with T. West from Afrojee Synergy News' African-Americans national political agenda. So we have some good work that's going to happen today. We need to look at these different agendas and find the one that works for us. Now, to be honest with you, I firmly believe that all of us need to find the agenda that works particularly for us and support that agenda. It doesn't necessarily, for me, I don't think that all of us need to be on the very same page, but we need to all be on the same book. <laughs> we don't all need to be on the same page, but I would love to see us all in the same book because at some point we can get to the same page. So um, there are a lot of agendas out there. You know, ADOS 101 has a great agenda that uh, Tony O'Moore and Yvette Carnell have put together. Foundation of Black Americans has a great agenda that Professor Black Truth Jason Black, the Black Authority, and Tariq Nasheed has put together. I've noticed that Michi X has a agenda, and I've been looking into what she brings to the table. Our good friend of the show, T. West from Afro Synergy News, has the National African American, I mean, the African American National Political Agenda, the 21 point plan. We're checking into that as well. I even look back at the, the Black Panthers. 10 point plan and I'm just looking at all of these things and we're going to bring them together so we need to be in the same book we need to be on the same book and we're going to make sure that America gets on our books joining me today from Afro Synergy News is a good friend T. West how you doing T. West hey good I'm doing well brother Seiko how are you feeling excellent man feeling excellent feeling excellent hey look man Black Lives Matter, they have a movement that we really can't deny has really kind of taken over um, American thought, American interest, the news for a while. It was all throughout the news. And what I found is it's not necessarily 
Black Lives Matter political group. It's not the national group. It's a lot of um, smaller groups. In my area of Hampton Roads, we have uh, Black Lives Matter 757. In this case, they did a nice, a nice protest on 264. Uh, they've done some marches on the beach. Some Here's another picture from in Virginia Beach. Actually, that's in Norfolk. That's on the Virginia Beach oceanfront. That's in the beach. Yeah, Black Lives Matter 757. They even had a uh, armed militia at one location. Yeah, they shut down one of our interstates um, during one of the marches sometime last month. And that's Black Lives Matter 757. They just had a really nice march on the 4th of July on the oceanfront here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. But I tell you, one of the things that I've noticed, T. West, man, is the Black Lives Matter organization doesn't seem as connected with some of the things that are happening in the national atmosphere. So I also noticed that they're they're not connected with reparations. What are some of the things you're seeing when you look at Black Lives Well, um, it's well-funded. Uh you get a lot of money if, if you're receiving a lots of money uh, with a little bit of work, a little bit of effort, you can uh, do what uh, Black Lives Matter is doing. So um, the I did a program uh, last week, I think it was last week uh, over in uh, over in uh, well it was this week actually. In uh, England, Black Lives Matter, they're supporting uh, reparations. So uh, you're correct. Right here in the United States, you have the little uh, local chapters here in the United States. But uh, their national agenda does not yet, doesn't appear to support reparations just yet. And you see in their focus, their area of focus, you don't see reparations in there. You see black immigration in there. You see that. You don't see reparations. So uh, I'm calling on Black Lives Matter uh, to get on board, come on board with uh, reparations. And and if they don't come on board with reparations, uh, you know, I'm going to be calling them out more and more. You know, they are uh, (laughs) accomplishing or promoting some some purposes that are good. And, you know, they got other things in their agenda. And you and I, we talked about it on the previous program. Uh, one particular area that relates to family, what a family is. You know, I'm, I'm like, nah, I'm not, not going to agree with what they're saying, what a family is. Um, but reparations, they need to get on board with that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I noticed that in the 2017-2018 time period, Reparations was a part of their platform. But now when I look in 2020 and I go onto their national website, I don't see reparations. How important is reparations right now, brother? Oh, reparations is extremely important. It's been extremely important ever since slavery ended in America. You know, it's very, very important. It's more important than, than police violence against blacks. It's more important than anything that's on... Uh, a Black Lives Matter uh, campaign focus list than any of that. So, um, because anything short of reparations 
it's, it's, it's just a, a, um, a recipe for business as usual, for the same thing over and over and over again. You know, all these programs. I even dealt with uh, the agenda that ADOS put out uh, last year prior to their first uh, conference there in uh, uh, Louisville and where reparations was at the bottom. Okay? It was at the bottom of the agenda. Now, I hope they've changed that now, but uh, what's most important to you should never be found at the bottom of your agenda. But what was at the top of the agenda was more of uh, the same old business programs of the past. Okay? We want dollars for this. It, it was kind of like an affirmative action thing. No, 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 no. Affirmative action is dead. It did not work for most black people. You know, you just saw there's a re- there was a report out the other day about more than half oh, since uh, 2000, maybe 2000 or 2007, uh, it might have been 2015, uh, but the majority of the growth, more than 50% of the population growth in America has been uh, in the Hispanic area of the population growth. You know, and that's mainly and mostly immigration, illegal and legal. So, and when they come in in the millions like that, they are taking your inheritance. They're taking, because the U.S. government they have these programs that they set up for these, these millions and millions of people who are coming into this country. They never came clean. They being the U.S. government and even private enterprise. They never come clean, have come clean with black people who built this country through more than 244 years of slavery and then well over 140 years of Jim Crow and uh, 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 all other forms of discrimination in this country against black people, they never pay pay black people their inheritance. You know, when you have a people who work in chattel slavery, in building and making America great for right. hundred years, then there's something that you need to do as a government for those people before you do it to anybody else and for anybody else who's just getting off the boat, just getting off the plane, just running across the southern border or the northern border into the United States. You got to do that first. And that's why we're demanding reparations. We're we're not going to stop with that. That's why you saw what happened with that uh, city council in Asheville, North Carolina. That's why you saw that. And you're seeing that more and more across this country. You're seeing some religious organizations, some uh, universities, that are setting up reparations uh, programs in this country. You do it at the local level, you do it at the national level. That's how you're going to to, uh, 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 fight for that. That's how you're going to push that demand at the local and at the national level, both. You know, what I find interesting, man, is whenever we start bringing up that the federal government, the state government, the local government should treat us with the same level of treatment that other Americans, other Virginians, other uh, New Yorkans, other Californians get. We get this silly stuff from people like this guy, Benjamin. I'm going to pop his up there. He's talking about that George Floyd was jailed multiple times and sentenced for five years in prison for aggravated robbery. 
this is the silliest stuff, man. Look, we're not talking about how his past was. We're saying that the police abuse that George Floyd dealt with, no American should have dealt with. No American should have dealt with. So, Benjamin, we got to kick you off the show, man. That's stupidity, man. But today we're talking about the Black Lives Matter political action plan or the African-American national political agenda. Uh, so here again, I have a great picture of Black Lives Matter 757. And I want to say power to the protesters, power to the protesters. This is one of the religious protests that happened in Virginia Beach, Virginia. But the thing that catches me, man, is when we look at Black Lives Matter, their agenda really seems to be focused on pushing the LGBTQ agenda. What do you say, bro? Well, that's a part of their agenda, yes. It is a part of their agenda. In some uh, local areas, it's more so that than in other areas. Uh, so, yeah. uh, yes, that is part of their agenda. But there's no denying that they're getting the money. And when you get the money, you can accomplish a lot with if you have the money. And they're getting that money. They're getting that attention. They're a part of the equation. It's just that what we have to do, we have to uh, uh, let the groups and those chapters know that there is a real, real black agenda. And that black and what that black agenda stands for, and that black agenda at the top of that list is reparations. Well, I tend to disturb when I see the muddying of the waters. And I've used this term a couple of times, like with this picture with the uh, Black Trans Matter. Salute to those who are finding their identity. I love the fact that you you are who you are and you're proud of who you are. But when you mix these things, things get muddy. The waters, the, the movement kind of gets muddy. And now we see that other groups who supported what was happening in our movement for change are starting to get some benefits before we're getting our benefits. And it's, it's really blowing me off that, uh, and that's probably a bad term to use, it's really kind of disturbing me that we've allowed our movement to become hijacked in some ways. But one of the things I want to do today, we want to talk about the uh, Black Lives Matter political agenda and the African American national political agenda and juxtapose the two. We want to look at the two. We want to find out which one we should all be getting on board with. All right. So salute to Black Lives Matter. We're not pushing you down, but we're saying we all need to be on a better book and your book might not necessarily be the book we need to look at. So let's look at what um let's look at what your national agenda brings to the table. All right. So number one, government study on slavery. Do you think we need a government study on slavery, brother? No, we don't need the study, but that is what it is. That is the reality of what is sitting up there in Congress right now. That's sitting right there. And what we're saying is, okay, get that out of that committee and get it on the floor for a vote. Okay, so that's stating what the reality is right now. Okay, and then moving that to a reality of where it's going to be voted on on the floor of Congress. We don't need a study. We've already got all the studies that we need. We've got them. They're already out there. 
I like the fact that the top of your ticket, the top of your plan deals with reparations. Number two, reparations is owed and must be rendered to African-American descendants of those enslaved beginning approximately in 1619 in primarily British, French, and Spanish colony territories and what would become the United States of America. That goes without saying. Number three, H.R. 40. I've heard that that was a lot ado about nothing, but it's interesting that you put it again in your platform and your political agenda. I know before you said we need to get it out the house because it's been sitting there for so long. You stand on that, right? Oh, yes. Yes. Yes, of course. I mean, you're not going to get reparations unless there's legislation. Okay, you can get a little bit of money through an executive order, a presidential executive order. But to really get the real money, the, the Congress controls the purse strings. So you got to get it through Congress. So you got to deal with that, with that little nothing called H.R. 40. You've got to deal with that. You've got to put some meat to it. You can't just say, well, let's just forget that. And you can't. You got to deal with Congress. So what do you do? You put pressure on Congress, those leaders within the Congressional Black Caucus or outside the, that caucus to put some meat on H.R. 40. Okay, you may even rename it to something else. I don't care. As long as you put the meat on it. But you got to deal with a little bit that's there. Okay? Because right now, okay. you don't have anything other than that little bit. But you got to put some meat on that H.R. 40. Now, one of the things that I found really intriguing is that you stated that President Trump has the ability with an executive order to enact some things that would be beneficial to us. A lot of uh, so-called black people in the United States of America don't necessarily support Trump as much. But so when I read that you were stating that we need to pressure and ask and sit at the table and work with President Trump to get some of our needs met, I thought it was really intriguing. So, um... Do you still think that can be accomplished? Oh, yes. Yes, of course. I mean, uh, you're going to get it from Joe Biden? Joe Biden is our <laughs> Look, when, when they ask him about reparations, Joe Biden said, no, nah, I want to talk about immigration. I want to talk about how they built America. Joe, that's where Joe Biden went. Trump never went there. Trump, Trump has been against this illegal immigration. Now, when the Supreme Court came out and ruled recently against where Trump was trying to go with DACA. Then you saw Trump meet with the Mexican president here. And then Trump started talking about, well, uh, we're going to uh, 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 come to a solution with DACA. We're going to, well, what he was actually saying without saying it is that we're going to come to some form of amnesty. That's what he was saying. Now, that's what the, these, these illegal immigrants who came in under DACA. Now, what the Hispanics are doing, which uh, 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 some low information uh, Negroes are not doing uh, in a large number, is the Hispanics are dealing on both sides with this. The Hispanics they may throw a few rocks and then they'll be quiet about it. Okay? Then they'll quietly go to the White House and have discussion with Trump. Okay? 
So what came out of that discussion? Well, what came out of it was what black folks, what everybody saw Trump do recently. And Trump said, look, well, we're going to talk about DACA. We're going to come up with something uh, 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 that leads towards citizenship. Well, that's another word for amnesty. That's what that's for. Now, black folks, you Negroes who like to throw rocks, throw rocks, Trump's a racist. Well, so the hell what? So the hell what? Almost every white male who has a level of power in this country is to some degree more or less a racist. So what? Wow. Lyndon wow. B. Johnson was a racist. And I've said this before, Seiko, as you know. He was a racist. But yet, Martin Luther King Jr. sat down and they made a deal that helped a whole lot of black women. And black mm-hmm. women, ever since that time, black women have been loyally voting Democrat, even when a Democrat candidate was not in their best interest. Most black women, almost all of them, have voted Democrat. You close their, they can close their eyes, and you can just tell them where the D is on the ballot, and they're going to mark that D, not the R, not the I for independent or the R for Republican. They're going to mark the D for Democrat. Okay, they're not voting in their interest. They're simply voting the way that they have traditionally voted since the 1960s. They vote in the way of their parents, the way of their grandparents. That's what they're doing. They're voting the way that Al Sharpton has instructed them to vote. The way that uh, others have instructed them to vote. The way Bill Clinton, the way Barack Obama, Michelle Obama has instructed them to vote. You know, I, I I was recently at the Republican meeting in Virginia Beach. They had a mass meeting where they were voting on the chairperson. And I had a, you know, I had to wait in line for two hours to wait. And the lady in next to me said, you know, uh, I'm really kind of surprised to see you here. I'm like, okay, whatever. She said, well, are you Republican? No, I'm independent. You know, well, why are you voting here? I said, you know, because I believe that we need to be strategic. And if this person is going to represent some of the people in our city, I want to make sure I have some say in a person who represents that particular seat. You know, uh, a few months ago, we had the Republican primary and I was encouraging everybody, Republican, Democrat, independent to vote because this person is going to possibly be the person that represents our city, our state. You know, it could be Elaine Loria or it could be Scott Taylor. And it's important that we have say on who represents us and who we have the ability to leverage and tap into. And it really just kind of blew my mind that she was surprised that I was there. But many of her cohorts, many of her peers were bothered that I was there because now we're getting on code. Now we're becoming strategic. Now we're starting to run a few things and it's starting to disturb things. So she asked me to uh, to kind of tie this to what you just said. She said, uh, well, you know, do you think Trump is a racist? And I said, I don't even worry about that. I kind of expect him to make the decisions he's making. I'm used to people in his position like him making those positions. And she said, well, you'd be OK with a president that was a racist. I said, that's been the case for all if not most of our presidents in the United States of America before President Trump. So I'm not surprised if President Trump follows in that line. 
She said, well, what about President Obama? I said, President Obama did some things that were good, but he did a lot of things that were not in our interest. So I'm used to people not legislating in our interest. I'm used to people, some of them might even be um, racist, not legislating in our interest. Um, oh, we have a comment from Easy D who says the CBC, NAACP, and all others are an absolute disappointment and haven't done anything substantive, sub- substantive, substantial, I guess he meant, for black people in the decades. And neither has our politicians. But now we're in a position where we can make that happen. Um, T. West, let's go back to your 21-point plan. Um, Number seven, I know you and I were having a conversation in Florida. They just made a bill where a few months ago, if you were a person who was released from jail, you were released and now you were able to immediately vote. Well, the conservatives in Florida just pushed something through and now says you have to have all your fines paid, you know, and and pretty much they gave a poll tax to vote in Florida. So prison reform, you say prison reform includes the right for ex-felons who have served their sentences, the right to vote in all states. Why is that important? Well, it's important for the exact reason that uh, uh, some political parties, depending on the state and depending on who's in power and who wants to remain in power. In this case, in Florida, it's the Republicans who are are doing it. In other places, you'll see the Democrats who who will do that. But uh, it's important because once they've served their time, it's important for them to be able to vote. I'm calling for a federal law governing that so that the states are not all helter-skelter with this. Some states allow it, some states won't. You just had a situation in uh, uh, the District of Columbia, Washington, D.C., where uh, the they passed uh, a resolution there that will allow black uh, felons. I mean, they're in prison right now to vote. Okay, Ooh. now we know Washington, D.C. is not a state, but they passed that. It is a, an initial step. They're in D.C., Washington, D.C. So that's a good move. Now, it, it, for Democrats, it's political. And that's fine because it's still good. It's still good. Uh, there's no reason why prisoners even need to be treated as slaves. Okay? Absolutely. There's no reason for that. I mean, they're still citizens of the United States, even if they're in prison or they've served their time and they're out of prison. Let them vote. Let them vote. Somebody said, well, they would probably do, uh, do be fraudulent. Nah. No more fraudulent than anybody else. Okay? And if it's in a prison system, it's, it's, then if they're in prison, in the case they're in D.C., you know, there's less chance of fraud for them if they voted. So I'm all for that. Let them vote. Let them vote. Let the, you know, uh, in uh, some of the other countries of the world, I'm sure they let prisoners vote. America is behind in that area. They're behind. Now, as I said, though, the Democrats, they're trying to score points right now with all of that. Because they figure, well, if we do this, then they're going to vote for us. 
just like <laughs> he wants to make uh, all these illegals, he wants to give them all citizenship. Joe Biden does. Thinking that, well, if I was able to do that, they're going to vote Democrat. Well, now you see where Trump now is talking about citizenship for the few millions of DACA. Those who are here illegally under DACA. He's talking about that. Well, of course, Trump is looking at votes. Ronald Reagan, he granted amnesty to all these millions and millions of Hispanics. And he won a second term. Okay? So this is politics played by the Democrats, played by the Republicans. But let's but what, what I'm talking about is doing the right thing. The right thing is let these men and women who have definitely served their time and possibly even those who are in prison, let them vote. Let them vote. That's what I would say. Uh, 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 grant that. And it should be a federal law that constitutes that that will um, uh, supersede all of this helter-skelter that these various states uh, will come up with. I mean, it supersedes the so-called states' rights uh, with that type of... uh, 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 when it comes to uh, voting, especially voting in national elections. Now, the states, if the states don't want these people voting in state elections, well, that's a different matter. But in federal things, federal elections, they should be allowed to vote. I agree. I agree. I agree. Uh, uh, we got a lot to deal with. Let's tap back to your African American national political agenda, the 21 points. Number 11. Uh, now, the group that I'm involved in, the empowerment agenda, you know, we've gone through your plan and I shared with you that number 11 is one that we decided not to adopt um, because we decided that that once again muddied the waters. And I know to, to, your, to your end, uh, number 11 is really important. Um, so I want to make sure that we give highlight to each one of your pieces. Um, number 12, we love that one. Number 13 was interesting. Why is education must be treated with the same level of respect and importance as the military? Uh, tell us more about that. Well, if you attach education to the military, all the spending that happens with the military, if you attach a proportion to that. You are assured that monies, sufficient monies will come to education because Democrat and Republicans, generally members of both parties, they are going to be clamoring to make sure the military get all the money they need or that they think they need. They're going to make sure. Well, put that education right there in there with that. When you make education as important as the military, America brags about its military prowess around the world. It brags about it. So they'll say, we're second to none. We're the best. We're this, we're that. Okay, well, that's because they have put that on a high pedestal relative to importance. Now, if you put education at that level, then you will have no need for all of these H-1B visa and all these other uh, 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 visa programs of bringing in all of these millions and millions of people into this country for high-tech, low-tech, uh, 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 low-skill-level jobs. You will have no need for that because you would have invested properly 
into education here in America. You will have the monies there in the science, the technology, the engineering, and the mathematics programs. You'll have all the money that you need for that, and you will educate your youth and your young people in those areas. So uh, make right. it important like the military. The military gets a huge amount of money every year, every year. And Democrats and Republicans, they're all on board with that. All right, number 14, social and welfare programs must be a means to self-sufficiency, not a lifestyle. Tap into that for a second, man. That's that's a powerful one. Tap into that one. Well, you've got white people, red people, yellow people, black people. You, uh, you've got uh, uh, those people in those groups. They want to stay on welfare. That's right. They exploit welfare. They are freeloaders, some of them. Some people need to be in that safety net. All of the people who are in there, some of them don't need to be there. Okay? So, it should, welfare should be to help those people who need to be helped for a period of time. And then you need to be off of that. You need to be off of it. Okay? So, people who are able to work, they need to work. They don't need to get a free check every month from taxpayers. They don't need that. I don't care what color you are. Now, some people like to say, well, it's black people. Well, black people have had the hardest uh, uh, role to hold in America. They've had that. <laughs> okay? But, but, this applies to all groups of people. You have far more white people on there than black people. You got a far more, you got far more brown people on there than black people on welfare in this country. And none of those groups, none of them, had a harder way to go collectively, historically, than black people in America. So if you were to ask the question, which group of people would be deserving of that more, it would be black people. Because after all, this government, religious organizations, other private enterprises who enslaved and profited from enslavement of black people, profited from these uh, uh, extra, uh, these huge, uh, uh, with high interest rate loans, uh, these, these loan sharking of blacks in America, profited from all of that. They never paid any restitution for any of that. They never right. did. But they, in, they enriched themselves from that. And they're still enriching themselves from it. So, who would be more deserving of it? Yeah, it would be black folks in America, those who came through slavery. I'm not talking about those who just got off the plane, just got off the boat. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about those who came up through the hard trials and tribulations in the making and the building of America. That's what I'm talking about. And that's not to put down on any other group of people. But when you need to defend the truth and the realities of history and the contemporary, then I must articulate it the way that I articulated it. But welfare should not be something of uh, that's permanent. It shouldn't be. And we should, okay. we should teach against that. We should instruct against that. It's not good. 
Not good, not good. Number 21 I thought was interesting as well, and that's the last one on your African-Americans national political agenda, after which we're going to look at the BLM political agenda and chat that one up. But African-Americans should be encouraged to have social and economic ties with African peoples and countries. Why would that be part of our national agenda? Well, as I've often said before, every nation, current and in the past, every nation that has become great, and that is great, all of them, all of them had major dealings with the continent of Africa. They've had it, okay, and they have it. So, African Americans, most of you, your ancestors came from there. You were taken from there. You were sold, okay? to build the great treasure cities and countries in the Americas. Not just the United States, all down in Brazil, all the way, coming all the way up through North America, South America, Central America, North America, all up through there. Black folks built all of that. They were enslaved to do all of that. The Spanish, the Portuguese, all of that. Not just the English, not just the French, Okay, so all of that went into the building of these great uh, wealth, of the great wealth that we see in America today, even in Western Europe. Western Europe, slavery helped reinvigorate Europe. That's right. So when we look at and talk about Africa, then African-Americans right here, you more than any other group of people you ought to want to have an economic and a social relationship with the continent that has more natural and raw resources than any region of the world if you were to uh, look at the unique commodities unique commodities now let me define and tell you all what commodities are sugar Metals, chromium, cobalt, manganese, platinum, oil, gas, coffee beans, cocoa beans. All of these are commodities. Africa would have 97% of the unique resources on the planet. And that's by far more than any other region on the planet. By far. So what that says is that you as black people in America you need to further develop that relationship with the African continent you see Israel Israel has a big time relationship in Africa gold, diamonds those sorts of things and other resources big relationship America does too all of the western European countries do France France has a huge relationship economically with Africa. So we as a people, we must have that same goal. We must have that relationship with that continent because it is a very, very important continent. It's very important for electronic parts. You know, much of the technology that we're using right now to communicate together right now. Mm-hmm. Much of that is sourced out of Africa. Okay, the raw resources. 
sourced out of Africa. The screens, when you're moving your fingers around on your smartphones, on your tablets and all, that material is sourced primarily out of Africa. So we, that's just one example. Okay. Also, uh, uh, medicinal plants and animals for making pharmaceutical products sourced to a large degree out of Africa. So we have to have that attachment. We have to, and we must have that attachment. Now, if you don't have that attachment, and if you're doing well, it's only a matter of time before you're going to degrade. Degrade. So you have to have that to be solid and to be able to sustain yourself as a group of people here in the United States of America or wherever you are. Okay, okay. Um, so we just went through the African national, I mean, the African Americans national political agenda that you and your team pulled up last week. We contract is, I mean, contrast your African American national political agenda with Ice Cube's contract with Black America. So for the viewers, if you haven't watched that one, go back and watch that one. We went through Ice Cube's contract with Black America and we juxtaposed it with the African American national political agenda. Today, we're going to continue by saying, is it the Black Lives Matter political agenda or the African-Americans national political agenda? So we just went through the African-Americans national political agenda. So now we're going to tap into Black Lives Matter. If you go into their website right now and you go to What Matters 2020, this tells you exactly what Black Lives Matter, the national group, has decided is going to be their main objective for the year 2020. So if you go on their website, you'll find this. If you tap into it a little longer, you'll find what their campaign goals are and their campaign focus. And uh, TUS has had their campaign focus in the background for the entirety of our show. It deals with racial injustice, police brutality, criminal justice reform, black immigration, economic injustice, LGBTQIA, and human rights environmental conditions, voting rights and suppression, health care, government corruption, education, common sense, gun laws. So those are the things that Black Lives Matter says they're going to focus on in 2020. Now, if you juxtapose that with what we're talking about, we start off with reparations. If we go back, reparations, as you earlier started, stated rather, it's not even on their agenda. Now, in Europe, as you noted, Reparations was on their agenda. If we go back to 2018, reparations was on their agenda. Those of us who follow Black Improvement, the uh, National African American Political Agenda, if you follow the Foundational Black Americans Agenda, Tariq Nasheed, Jason Black, Professor Black Truth, if you follow the ADOS Agenda, reparations is the order of the day. But if we go back to Black Lives Matter, reparations isn't even part of the agenda. Why do you think that's the case, T. West? Well, it's it's usually about who who is giving them money, who's donating the big big dollars. And if I, I would I would um, I would say probably if you were to, to ask George Soros, does he support reparations for African Americans in this country? Soros would probably say no. Okay, 
Now, since Soros, they get a lot of money from George Soros. They get money from others also. Uh, generally, a group will go in the direction of where the money is coming from. And if, if, and if their funder is not supporting a certain uh, focus or a certain agenda, then they're not going to support that. Now, recently, um, I, I mentioned that um, uh, San Antonio Spurs player, he's a guard. He's uh, indicated that he's going to donate a million dollars to Black Lives Matter. Now, I said, well, okay, that's good. So, but don't donate that without demanding something in return. And that demand that that young man should be demanding is reparations. Reparations being on the agenda. You know, the old saying, if you don't pay, you, you can't play. You got to pay to play. So, so, so this young man is donating, he's said a million dollars to Black Lives Matter. So that's what you have to do. You know, if you got something in the game, then you can make demands. Just like I said of Trump with black folk. If you're always out there throwing rocks at him, calling him a racist, and uh, you, you're never in the room to sit down like you, uh, Seiko, you there in, in, in Virginia Beach, you went in and you sat down with some Republicans. Okay? You had the courage to go in there to do that. Okay? If you're not at the table, then you are not you are not in the game. You got Absolutely. to to make Absolutely. it. So when I went Absolutely. to Oklahoma and I'm sitting right behind Trump as Trump is coming out on the stage to speak, well hey look. I'm saying I'm here. I'm here. I want you to to see me. Because I've got a demand that I'm going to bring to you. And the only there's only there's only three things that you can do. You can ignore me, or you can, if you pay attention, you can either say yes or you can say no. Okay? But nothing ventured, nothing gained. You gotta be out there. You gotta be out there making it happen. So with Black Lives Matter. In their focus and their agenda, reparations should be there. Now, I, I know I heard you say that uh, in past years it was there on some of that agenda. Well, it needs it needs to be put back on that agenda. I agree. I agree. It needs to be. It needs to be. Um, and you know what's crazy? In North Carolina, I stated earlier that they passed a resolution for what really is economic development. <laughs> you know, if you went to any other city, the plan that they talked about would really be their plan for economic development. And they're positioning it as if it is reparations. But I think that's interestingly good because it now allows us to start using the term. The term is becoming more palatable. There were a lot of us who were saying for years, for generations that, you know, we would never get reparations. We were even silly for talking about reparations in the United States of America. And now city councils, political candidates are talking about reparations. And you shared in one of our last segments that President Trump didn't say no reparations, although Joe Biden has. 
Joe Biden has said, uh, no, nah, we're not going to do that. Or, and then he secondly said, oh, if we deal with reparations, we're going to tie it to another group, the Native Americans, who, by the way, already have received forms of reparations, along with the Japanese, along with some of the Jewish groups, along with white slave owners. And rightfully so. But when it comes to us, he got to be tied to somebody else. But you mentioned in our last conversation that President Trump didn't say no to reparations. Is that true? That's true. Trump did not say no to reparations. You know, when you get black folks, uh, uh, instead of just throwing rocks at Trump constantly, when you get enough black folks saying, oh, okay, hey, let's sit down. Let's talk. Let's talk about moving forward. Let's talk about uh, uh, really something that's going to sustain African-Americans in this country. Then you're going to see Trump take blacks even more serious. As you see, now he's beginning to take uh, some of these Hispanics more serious. So Trump did say when asked about reparations last year, he said, interesting. (laughs) He used the word interesting. He didn't say no. He didn't say, well, we need to we need to deal with reparations for the Native Americans also. He didn't say that. Okay? No, he didn't. Yeah, and then he and then he said, but I don't I don't think I don't think it's going to happen. He didn't say, no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> he said, I don't think not is not going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Okay? There's a big difference there. You yeah, see, nothing to indicate that you guys are going to push for it is what he was really saying. Yeah, yeah, make it happen. Lyndon B. Johnson told Martin Luther King Jr., make me do it. Make me do it. In other words, get out there, get out there and sell it, sell it, make it popular. Sell it to the people. Get the people out there crying out for it. Not just black folks, get some of them white folks on your side too. Get some of them other folks or whatever, whoever, get them on your side too. Make me do it. You see, see Trump right now, the main mainstream media, they're pushing this narrative that Trump is falling in the polls. He's uh, uh, Joe Biden is has taken this huge lead. He's got uh, an eight point lead, a 14 point lead. He's got this huge lead over Trump. Well, well, what did Trump do recently? Trump demoted his main campaign manager. All right? So that that means that Trump is beginning to believe some of that. Now, that's an opportunity for African-Americans to say, hey, Trump, look, we can make you a winner, but in order to make you a winner, this is what we want. Okay? This is an opportunity. But instead of uh, 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 some of these Negroes, okay, low-information Negroes, you know, low information Negroes, what they want, they want a pacifier. Joe Biden is a pacifier. Joe Biden will pacify black folks. That's what he'll do. Pacify means, hey, you're not getting the real sustenance. You're getting just air in a pacifier. You're not getting any uh, milk. You're not getting anything real. We're just tricking you. You're just like a child sucking on a pacifier. You see, but even after a while, a child sucks on a pacifier long enough, the child says, hell no. The child starts crying. But we, as black folks, you've been crying for a long time. Stop sucking on the pacifier. Okay? You go to this guy, 
and you say, look, this is what we want. This is why we want it. This is the this is why we deserve it. This is why it's ours. And this is why you haven't paid it. The American government, you haven't paid this debt. Okay? Joe Biden is going to give you nothing but business as usual. That's what he's going to do. He's told you that. If you if you if you don't support me, I'm Joe Biden. If you don't support me, you ain't black. Okay, that's Joe Biden. So, 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 uh, it's better to take the road and try to get this pushed through with Trump. Now, you continue to push it with Joe Biden. You continue to do that. I'm gonna. I'm just telling you, that's a dead end. All right. All right. Um, interesting. Let's go back to the Black Lives Matter political agenda. The thing that kind of that that I don't want to say disturbs me because I like the way they have some of this laid out. But I've noticed that they say racial injustice. They're not being specific. Police brutality. They're not being specific. They're not saying punish bad police officers. They're not saying if you kill a person, you need to be charged with uh, uh, the adequate crime. They're not saying we need to get rid of implied and um, the other type of immunity. Uh, When we look at black immigration, what are they saying about black immigration? You know, economic justice. What are they saying about economic justice? LBTQQIL. Let me get this right, family. LGBTQIA. I used to roll off my tongue easy. I'm not sure why. LGBTQIA. <laughs> that didn't come out right. <laughs> LGBTQIA and human rights. Now, you know, we all know that Black Lives Matter has really kind of positioned themselves and they've stated, and it stays on their website, that therefore the end of police abuse and therefore promoting. LGBTQIA leadership. So those are their two things. They're really saying we want to, you know, we're going to push LGBTQIA leadership and we're going to use the platform of ending police abuse to do the pushing of the leader. So I've noticed that recently a lot of the people who shows up on the news media are members of uh, of our LGBTQIA family are those who are intersection intersectionals. They're both part of the African diaspora, and they're representing heavily the LGBTQIA organizations and community. So it's it's interesting to me that Black Lives Matter and has kind of focused on two things, and then when you look at their campaign focus, it's not specific about anything. Earlier on their website, it tells you, hey, we're for the end of police abuse and we're for the promotion of LGBTQIA leadership. And it's specific about that, but on their campaign focus, they're not specific. Well, Any thoughts? Well, yeah, well, uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, they're very clear to me. It's very specific to me. It's called business as usual. That's what it is. Okay, uh, you see, when 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 someone don't want to be called to the carpet on specifics, they don't put those specifics out there. Okay, because you know the devil's in the details. You know, I'll go right to those details and annihilate it. Okay, so 
uh, it, it's all business as usual. Racial injustice? Ah, hell, that was that's been for over four hundred years. Police brutality? Ah, hell, another hundreds of years. All of that is the same old, same old. That's what it is. What we're demanding right now is to get off of the breast. Okay? We want off of the breast. And what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is business as usual. Every year, you come out, you talk about racial injustice, police brutality, uh, inequity economically. Every year, year after year, year after year, year after year, decade after decade, same old, same old, same old, same old. Okay? What Martin Luther King Jr. was talking about in the 60s, black folks still talking about right now. Okay? Economic injustice, that's the same old, same old, same old stuff. Okay? Environmental conditions, well, okay, all right, they threw that one in there. All right? All of that, healthcare, all of it, all of it, all of it. But education, that ain't nothing new. Okay? Common sense, gun laws, that is not anything, that's not new. Nothing. All of that is the same old rehash stuff. What's different, and it's not on that agenda, is reparations. That's different. Because reparations changes things. You see a sea change with that. It changes things. It makes things totally, totally different for African-Americans in this country. It brings resolution to something where there has not been any resolution for over 400 years. And that is you haven't paid for that lost inheritance. That inheritance through tax dollars and other incentives and other programs is being given away in these visa programs to these other groups who are coming into America. It's all being given away. Alright? Now, we're saying enough is enough. We're saying end it. Stop it. That's one reason why so many blacks were, were and are they support Trump because Trump was against this massive illegal immigration. And black folks know, those of you who've been watching the Afrocentric News Channel for a while, you know for months, I showed y'all a, a chart. This chart showed you a 20-year trend. That 20-year trend was of black, young black men being incarcerated versus young Hispanic males coming into this country over the same time frame. And literally, they matched. They were parallel. They ran right along together in, 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 the, in the trajectory. Which means and meant that as black young black men were being imprisoned, they were bringing in young Hispanic males to replace them. That is what was happening here in America. So now we're saying enough is enough. Enough is enough. We all know that black lives matter. We all know that. 
But our cry, our demand is reparations. So when I said instead of seeing uh, 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 Black Lives Matter painted on the street on Pennsylvania Avenue on 16th Street, up close to the White House, it should be the words reparations now. So some people, they listen. So in Richmond, California, the brothers and sisters and the allies there, it wasn't just black folks who did it. Instead of Black Lives Matter, they painted reparations now on the streets in Richmond, California. Wow. So, and then wow. you see, you saw a brother, uh, 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 who, who was it, Jason Black, which one was it, who, who put up the billboard there in New York? Yeah, Jason Black. Jason Black. Put up the billboard. Reparations. Okay? So some people are listening. You put this out in the eyes of people. Put it in front of them. You know, the old ancient biblical saying, you know, put it on the doorpost. Every time you come in to that house, you're going to see reparations. Put it out there. You, you force that to happen. You're not begging for anything. You're just demanding what is owed to you. Everybody else coming into this country, all these other groups, regardless of what type of visa they come in under, regardless if they came across the border illegally, they're coming here to get the benefits that has been denied your ancestors and your ancestors' children and their children's children. White people, white people in Britain, England in 2015, they just paid off the debt to slave owners. The British government just paid it off. So all this time, since the end of slavery and it ended in Britain before it ended in the United States at least 30 maybe 40 years earlier they've been paying these slave owner families the slave owners their pappies and mammies they're, they're dead but their children right. and their children's children they're getting paid so any 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 rascal who come up in here saying well slavery does not exist now well you didn't say that well hey the slave owner is dead but that slave owner's child was still getting that money still getting it so you don't have a leg to stand on not a leg to stand on it is a debt that's owed it is an inheritance that is owed an inheritance that was stolen that was taken because the U.S. Constitution said that all men, all men are created equal. Black men were men. So you defied your own constitution. And that constitution, little wonder that white folks couldn't live up to it because they didn't write that anyway. It was the Iroquois nation that, that wrote that constitution originally. The Iroquois. They got that from the Iroquois. So, so when we look at America, how America was formed, how it started. At one point in time, black folks were almost the majority in this country. They were almost the majority. And then, you know, in 1919, they started a sterilization program in North Carolina of black girls and black women. Sterilization. They feared the population 
growth of black people. They feared it. And they took upon themselves action to call. That means eliminate. That means genocidally eliminate black folks' numbers in this country. That's genocide practiced by the American government and its state and municipal uh, entities in this country. So there's a debt that's owed. It's owed and it must be paid and it will be paid. So anybody's agenda, anybody's agenda floating out here as a black agenda, if it doesn't have reparations in it, it's not a black agenda. Simple as that. Now, and I say again, I'm going to say this one more time because I'm going to go back to that part about family. Africa. <laughs> Africa. Most of Africa, exception being South Africa. Africa said the hell with the LGBTQ agenda. That's what Africa said. Now, Africa knew a little bit about that, y'all. They know a little bit about that. They've been around longer than, than this Johnny come lately here. They knew and they know that if you embrace that, that society over time will degrade quickly. They know that. That's why. Why would the United States, when Obama was president, why would the U.S. Congress and then the American president at the time, why would they rewrite the National Defense Act pertaining to the U.S. military. And you know there's a lots of men and women, especially men in the U.S. military who's got some, some terrible psychological problems. Why would they remove the words taking liberty with a child? Now that's talking about sex. Why would they remove the word sodomy? You see, they removed all of that because they are moving more and more towards an agenda and a society that's based upon do what makes you feel good. If 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 uh, if 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 sexing it up with your dog makes you feel good, do it. If uh, sexing with children makes you feel good as an adult do it that's where it's moving towards you know that's the trickology that's going into this and they want to equate that with the word love you know what bro uh <laughs> yo uh t west from afro synergy news we're gonna have to uh do another talk on that we have to do another talk on that because uh, you're a wealth of information and opinion um Last words. What when you look at Black Lives Matter's political agenda is, uh, and we're not taking anything away from what's happening with the protests. Power to the protests. Uh, the protesters have been able to do some things within a few months that politicians have not been able to do in years. That our votes haven't been able to do in years. So you know, power to the protests. But when we look at Black Lives Matter's political agenda. And we look at your agenda. Which one should we be following? <laughs> well, you know my answer. You know my answer. 
of Black Lives Matter, what they're doing, continue doing what you're doing. But the African-Americans national political agenda, that defines who we are. Not who we become, but who we are. Okay? I mean, some of us have need to ask ourselves, and I know we're closing here. Some of us need to ask ourselves, if my grandfather, my great-grandfather was here right now, or my great-grandmother was here right now, would she like what she see? Would he like what he see? Okay? They knew who we Generally, they knew who we were. They knew. Okay? And they, most of them would be just, I don't believe it. That's where most of them would be with it. That's how far some of us have fallen from the root of who and what we are. That's how far. But as I said in the previous program, let the wheat and the tear grow together. Black Lives Matter serves a purpose in the midst of this perfect storm that's brewing in America. Those provocateurs, those saboteurs, all of them serve a purpose in the midst of this perfect storm that's brewing in America. Okay, that's not to say that I support the bad or evil doings of some of those individuals uh-uh it's just a part of the program okay along with the peaceful protesters along with that so brother Seiko man hey look it's good it's always good to be on your program I love it love it well I just want to say power to the protesters Salute to what's happening in the streets. They've done more in two or three months than our politicians have done in years. They've done more in two or three months than some of uh, our our speakers have done in years. So power to the protesters. Keep doing what you're doing. I also want to say that there are some serious talks that need to be had about the various agendas. So I personally believe that you need to find where you can get in. So if it's the ADOS 101 agenda, support that. If it's the Foundation of Black Americans agenda, support that. If it's the African and African American National Political Agenda, support that. If you're uh, with the Empowerment Agenda, support that. Get on those books. Get on those books. Get on those books. Slowly, we'll get on the same page. But get on those books. Let's push for reparations. Power to the protesters. Reparations is the agenda of the day. I want to thank my good brother T. West, our good mentor, T. West from Afro Synergy News. Uh, quickly, brother, tell about your YouTube channel. Well, Afro Synergy News. Afro Synergy News on YouTube, on Facebook. You can find us there. So I, I thank each one of you who tuned in. Potechi, I just saw you pop up there, so thank you. And uh, Brother Seiko, always good to be on your program. Always good, always good. You are doing uh, the right thing there in Virginia. And uh, I, 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 I love hearing what you said. I love that you actually went out there to mix it up. You went, you went into what is most black folks would say the enemy camp. 
You went there. Yeah. You know, it, it really kind of, um, I find it crazy. And I get a lot of pushback, and I have since 2018, um, a lot of pushback saying, why are you mixing it up with them? But we have to be at the table. We have to be in the room. And now we're able to be at the table. Now we're able to be at the room. Now we're able to sit down at the chair. And too many of us are not sitting down and eating the meal. We're preparing the meal. We're fixing the meal. We're growing the food that's in the meal. We need to eat the meal. <sighs> Peace to the protesters. Stay floss, 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 stay floss. The views expressed by the guests are only the views of the guests. Unless we say we agree. Unless explicitly stated. Stay floss, stay floss, stay floss, stay floss, stay floss. Stay conscious. Stay fly. Hey.